Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week, we began a two-week series called Heart Like Heaven. And last week, I told you that your heart cannot be trusted. Scripture tells us that, that your heart cannot be trusted, that you can't go off your own feelings, that your heart will eventually deceive you. It will cause you to do things or to say things that as a Christian, you shouldn't. Your heart will cause you to operate in fear instead of faith. As Christians, we've got to learn to live by the standards of a different kingdom. I told you last week that heaven doesn't have a mindset because mindsets change. But heaven has standards and those standards don't change. And when we live to those standards, that's what invites heaven to earth. We need to stop living life like we're trying to get into heaven and start living life like heaven is already in us. Our decisions, our reactions, and our lifestyles must reflect the very values of heaven. Heaven has a will. And it's our duty to display that will on this earth. And I hope that everybody in this room last week walked out of here challenged by that. Challenged. Saying, does my life reflect heaven? Does it look like heaven on earth? Because some people are only going to see heaven through your life. I remember my first heartbreak. Anybody else, do you remember your first heartbreak? It's okay to admit it. It, it is. My, I'm going to share something with you that, that some of you are going to be like, his wife is going to kill him. Um, because my first heartbreak didn't involve Mandy. It didn't. That happened later. She broke my heart later on, but, but we, we got back together. But I remember my first heartbreak. I was in eighth grade, and her name was Lori. Um, it always scares me when I share stuff like this because I'm not making up names or changing names to protect the innocent or anything like that. And I have no idea who listens to podcasts and such like that. But uh, her name was Lori. True name. True story. And um, at that time in my life, Lori was probably the most beautiful thing that I had ever seen. Problem was, even in eighth grade, she already had a long-term boyfriend. And so um, it seemed like... like Lori was off the market, never would be on the market. Plus, I was friends with her boyfriend, so this was never going to happen. And then one day, they broke up. Lori and her boyfriend broke up, and, and it, news traveled quickly throughout the, the middle school or the, the junior high, as we called it then. And, and, and it traveled throughout, and so I knew. It was a Friday, and I knew that this was my chance. Forget him being a friend. This is my chance with Lori. And, and so I went up to Lori, and I said, you know, how you doing? You know, and um, and I said, hey, you want to go skating tonight? Because that's what we did in eighth grade. We went skating, and I said, you want to go skating? And she said, sure. Neither one of us could drive, so now it was, what time are we going to meet at the skating ring? You know, and so we we met up at the skating ring, and everything was going good. It was a good night, man. Things were great. Every every slow song, it was couple skate, and only couple skate. If you're if you're a single out on the floor, the the you know the the, the Skate guard, thank you. The skate guard would come around and, and blow their whistle and tell you to get off the floor. And, um, and so every slow song, 
we would get out on the floor, we would, we would slow skate. And since I could skate backwards, I would assume position. And she would, she would be like this. And, and so we skated every slow song. And, and people were going by us going, oh, y'all make such a great couple, you know. And then her stinking little sister. She had a sister that was a little bit younger than us, and she liked me. And so she came by us and just, just drama, just drama. She, she burst into tears. She made a beeline for the girl's bathroom. And Lori looked at me and said, I need to go check on my sister. And she went to check on her sister. And they stayed in there for what seemed like forever. And I knew if it's going this, this long, it's not going to be good. And when Lori came out of that, that restroom from consoling her sister, she looked at me and gave me the news that I did not want to hear. I think it's best if you and I just remain friends. <laughs> Suddenly, I was back in the friend zone <laughs> where I would remain because her and her boyfriend got back together and I think they're married today. So there it is. <laughs> Lori was my first heartbreak. She was, she was my first heartbreak. And, and here's what I figured out about life is that life is full of heartbreak. It is, it's full of disappointments. And so whatever you wanna call it, heartbreak, disappointments, life is just full of heartbreak. And, and some of you parents in the room, uh, you've either experienced this this past week, depending on which school district your child goes to, or you're going to experience it tomorrow when you drop off your sweet little child at preschool or kindergarten for the first time. And at that moment, you are going to experience heartbreak. Rookies. <laughs> you think your life is bad? Mandy and I We'll drop off our baby girl at college in Cleveland, Tennessee, seven and a half hours away this Thursday. And you want to talk to me about dropping off your little child at kindergarten? In a few hours, you get to see her? But if you can't cope with a few hours of separation, join with some other parents tomorrow at the Blaine Coffee Shop for the annual Boohoo Woohoo Breakfast. True, true. 7.30 tomorrow morning, 7.30 to 9, Misery Loves Company, and you can find some others there with broken hearts, and you can all drown your sorrows in a good cup of java. That's what you can do. Life is full of heartbreak, right? For some of us, we made decisions that caused our heartache. We are the architects of our own pain. We caused this. Uh, it may have been a bad business deal, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Because now your finances are spiraling out of control and it truly is a, a heartbreak. Or, or maybe it was a, a bad choice of, of who you should be in relationship with. And it's heartbreaking. It's, it's left you heartbroken. Or, or maybe you are heartbroken because you made a decision that broke someone else's heart. You made a mistake against that person and, and now you're heartbroken over that. But yet there are others in the room that you are a victim of injustice. Simply put, life isn't fair. And you've been dealt something in your life that's not fair to you or, or, or to whoever it involves. And, and maybe, maybe someone wronged you and they left you hurt. They left you heartbroken. Or, or, or maybe your health has failed you and, and that's heartbreaking. Or maybe someone that you love, their health failed them and that's left you heartbroken. Regardless of how it happened, many of us, we're just heartbroken people. 
As a matter of fact, what I have come to realize is that everybody that has ever been born has experienced some form of heartbreak in their life. Everybody. This is the one thing that I know that this sermon affects everybody in this room because we've all faced difficult problems and disappointments and heartbreak in our life. Everybody in this room. And chances are we're going to experience more. And heartbreak can leave you lonely. It can leave you disappointed. It can leave you angry. It can leave you bitter. Heartbreak can leave you confused. Heartbreak can leave you empty. And by the end of this, I want you to look forward to that emptiness because it serves a purpose. What we fail to realize is that in our pain, God gets closer to us. Psalm 34 and 18 the psalmist said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And, and so the psalmist told us that God draws near to those that are experiencing heartbreak. That, that, that God has his radar on and he is searching for those who are in pain. And, and those who are, who are hurting, he draws close to those that are brokenhearted. We are heartbroken. We, we've got a choice to make in that moment. Do we lean into God who, who is close to us? The Bible says that, that that's where he's at. Or do we push him away? And, and, and that's the choice. That's the only choice that we have. One or the other. And so what do we do during those moments that we're facing heartbreak? The Bible is full of heartbroken people, but there's one that particularly stands out to me. And so I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16. I want to read verses 6 through 12. Israel is a fairly new nation. They are under the reign of their first king. And there's a prophet by the name of Samuel that realizes it's not going in the right direction. And so on a mission from God, he's out to find and anoint the next king of Israel. So verse 6 says, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, and this is one of Jesse's sons, Eliab, and, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. It is very clear from the passage of Scripture that we read this morning or that we just read 
it's very clear that, that God chooses people because of their heart condition, not from their physical appearance. Because as Jesse was bringing his sons by, and this had to be an exciting moment for this father, that, that this, the prophet Samuel is anointing the next king of Israel. And as he's bringing his sons by, uh, he's, he's surely thinking, man, this is going to be great for my household, that one of my sons gets to be king, one of my sons gets to be president of the nation. And so this is going to be a great moment. So obviously he starts with the oldest and, and, and begins to work his way down. And as Eliab comes by, uh, scripture is very plain that Eliab was a, a man of great stature. He was, he was tall. No doubt he was probably a ripped man, you know, good size, handsome. But one by one, God rejects each one of those men. And what you and I would pick for a strong leader, God was not even looking at that because the Bible says God was looking for the heart of an individual. And it wasn't until David came by, uh, the youngest of the bunch, the, the runt of the litter, when that one finally came by, that's the one that he decided, this is the one that I want. When God looked into him, he didn't see how tall he was. He didn't see how short he was. He saw a heart and that's what God God was looking for and it's very clear that God chooses people because of their heart condition not because of their physical appearance it's a heart thing some of you are having a hard time understanding this because we have a hard time understanding this in life you ever been to the mall and you're just sitting there watching people any people watchers in the room anybody else yeah and you're just everybody in these three sections. This one over here, these people, they don't go to the mall. That's what happens. So, um, you, you, have, you ever, have you ever seen some gorgeous woman walking by? And she has, that is a good answer, my friend. Unless it's your wife, that's a good answer. Gorgeous woman comes walking by. And on her arm is this little dweeb. <laughs> Mandy and I, we were watching a reality show the other night, and there's this girl that is, is obviously more beautiful than the rest of the girls that are on the reality show. And, um, and she's picked this, this little runt in the, in, the, in the house that she's living in. And, and, and we're, I'm looking at Mandy, I'm going, what? what? I don't get this. What's the deal? And Mandy's like, it's this personality. That's what you always say about ugly people, right? <laughs> it's their personality. It doesn't make sense. You'll see people walking through the mall, and you'll see people, and, and there's some in this room. I'm not going to look at you right now, but there's some in this room, and I don't understand how that man got that woman. I'm just like, what? And, and it all comes down, it's the heart. It's the heart of the matter is what it is. They have a good heart. And most of us, we don't look at that, at least not initially, because that's not what attracts us to people. But some people just have a better judge of character than others. And so they, they see something in that person. They, they look past the ugliness and they see potential in that person. Sorry, I'm offending some of you right now. It's all right. If, if I'm offending you, it means you're ugly. But we'll just keep going. <laughs> some people in life, they look like they have it all together. I mean, you look at them and, and, and they look nice, they're dressed nice, they have a nice car, a nice house, everything looks like it's going in their favor, and, 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 and they look like they have it all together. But if you were to dig deep, if you could look inside of them, you would see that their heart is a mess. That's what happened with the first king of Israel, Saul. Saul. 
He was a tall, handsome man, looked like a great warrior, looked like a great leader, but this man was messed up in the head. His heart was a mess. He was a jealous king. There were moments where he had fits of rage. There is so much wrong with this man's heart. And God said, the next king that I pick for this nation, no, I'm not looking at the outward appearance. I'm going for what really matters to me. I'm going for the heart. They've got to have a heart that I can do something with. A heart looks different than other people's hearts. There are people that I know they look like life is, is good, but their heart's a mess. Sometimes being in the position that I'm in where I do a lot of counseling, I get to see beyond the shell of a person. I get to see beyond the facade. And there's people that I meet with that I, it, it breaks my heart because their heart is a mess. Heartache has left them scarred. Heartache has left them scared. Heartache has left them bitter confused. And David, a man after God's own heart, was no stranger to heartache. He is arguably the most broken man in the entire Old Testament. Some of his pain was inflicted by others, like some of you. But, but some of his pain was self-inflicted, like some of you. His mentor King Saul tried to kill him and forced him into exile because he was jealous of David. And David was left running for his life. After David was king, he got another man's wife pregnant. That's self-inflicted. He has that man put on the front line of battle to have him killed. That's murder. He loses a young child, a baby. It dies. Heartbreak. He has a son that rapes his own sister and another son that avenges her death and kills him. Brother, killing a brother. That same son led a revolt and tried to dethrone his dad. And eventually someone trying to avenge King David kills that son. David was no stranger to heartbreak. Uh, you agree with me now, probably the most heartbroken guy in the entire Old Testament. In Psalm 31 and 12, David writes, I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. But yet God's word still refers to him as a man after God's own heart. If you go back to 1 Samuel 13 and 14, before we're introduced to David, Samuel tells King Saul that he's not cutting it as king, that, that he's not pleasing God. And he tells him, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. In Acts 13 and 22, hundreds, hundreds of years later in the New Testament, it confirms, it says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I believe, church, that we misinterpret what God is looking for here in these verses. And, and I've been guilty of it myself for years, uh, reading into what's probably not meant there. Misinterpreting the scripture because we jokingly say a man after my own heart when we are saying that someone is like us. 
uh, kind of like this. Uh, uh, he loves basketball. A man after my own heart. Oh, you like Jeeps? A man after my own heart. You like to eat? Oh, you are a man after my own heart. Why is that the only one you laughed at? <laughs> so we assume that when God says he's looking for someone that is after his own heart, that God is looking for someone like himself. And, and obviously, none of us can live up to that standard. God's not looking for someone who is just like him. God is looking for someone who is looking for his heart. They are after his heart. Someone who wants to be like him. Someone who wants to draw close to him when they are experiencing heartbreak. That when God draws near, they draw closer. God, don't leave me during this moment of my life. God, I need you more than I've ever needed you. God, be be here with me. Someone that is chasing after God's heart. And David had a lot that went wrong in his life. Some self-inflicted, some inflicted by others. But, but, but one thing that David always did was David always repented and he always turned back to God. Even through the most crucial of mistakes, David was always chasing after God's heart. And God said, that's who I want. When I pick someone, I want someone who is after my own heart. David wrote in Psalm 51 and 10, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You can hear how messed up he is, but he trusts that his Savior, his Lord, his protector, his supplier. He trusts that this being in his life, this God, can create in him a clean heart and renew his spirit within him. And David was constantly seeking to replace his heart with God's heart. And he was, not, he was never satisfied with where he was at. He wanted more of God and David was always after him. There's a verse, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. It's part of the Beatitudes, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. And it's in there where we're reading the Beatitudes. And Jesus says this in verse 8, Matthew 5 and 8. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Because they're the ones that will get to see God. And this verse tells me that my heart affects my vision. Blessed are the pure in heart for they get to see God. That if this is pure, then you get to see clearly with these. It, it affects the way that I see my circumstances. It affects the way that I see my family. It affects the way that I get to see my God. That when your heart is pure... It's not dim, it's clear. The circumstances of life can cloud and corrupt my heart, but when my heart is not pure, I can't see God. But the key to this verse is the word pure. It changes everything and it makes it possible for you, it makes it possible for me. Because the Greek word that's used for the word pure is the word katharos. It's where we get our word catheter from. 
It means to flush, to cleanse, to empty out. Those that have a pure heart that has been flushed, cleansed, emptied. Those are the ones that get to see God. The ones that flush their heart of, of that pain. The ones that flush their hearts of that bitterness, of that, that rage. This was the problem with King Saul. He could not flush his heart. He could not create a pure heart. He was holding on to so much. You know, Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's our problem right there. It's a heart problem. The reason why we, we run off at the mouth so much is because we have a heart problem. And at some point in time, if we want God to use us the way God wants to use us, if we want God to bless us with his presence the way that he wants to bless us with his presence, then we have got to do a flush. We have got to get what's inside of us out of us because it's coming out. That, 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 that's what's stored up inside of us is just spilling out. That anger, that bitterness, that pain, it's just coming out. And if you don't purge that from your heart, it is going to spill out all over your life. And that's why you're running people off and and that's why you can't make good decisions for your life any longer because it's, it's what's built up inside of you. And the scripture says, for those of you that will flush your heart, you'll empty what's in your heart. You'll get to see God more clearly. David wrote in Psalm 51 and 17, he said, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. At the risk of offending you, I want to shed some light on that as we close this thing out. There's all types of heartache and heartbreak in this room. But your heart needs to break so that its contents can spill out because a broken vessel can't hold what's been poured into it. It's unfair because some of your heartache is a lot more severe than others in the room. So it's certainly not fair for me to sit here and tell you your heart needs to be broken in order for you to empty out what's inside but it's also not fair for you to say that someone else's heartbreak is less painful than yours. Because we've all experienced it. At different levels, we've all experienced it. And though I do not believe that God causes our heartbreak, I do know that God chooses to use our heartbreak. And there are testimonies all over this room of how God has used your heartbreak. He emptied out the bitterness, the pain, the uncertainty. He emptied that out through your heartbreak and put a heart like heaven inside of you. And that's all that he's looking for is people that will allow him to replace what's inside of their heart with what's inside of heaven.
this past Friday morning. I was driving to Lake City for a funeral. And on my way there, I received a phone call from my father-in-law, Mandy's dad. He informed me that his mom, my wife's grandmother, was being rushed to the hospital. And he told me, it doesn't look good. I need you to get there quick. So I took off, man. I was already on the, on the road traveling, and so I just got there as quick as I could. Her heart had stopped during kidney dialysis. Their CPR, they, they brought her back. And the next 24 hours were just crazy for us. And I'm not going to leave you hanging because the point of the story is not necessarily this. But praise the Lord through many of your prayers and prayers of people all over. Um, and his healing touch. Thank God for that because today it looks like she's coming out of ICU. Amen. Amen. But when I first got to the hospital and I stood over her hospital bed, it was one of the most horrific scenes that I've ever seen. She was drawn up into a fetal position, laying on her side, fighting for every breath, certainly not understanding what was going on. And as I stood there, my mind began to reminisce. Shortly after Mandy and I were married, her grandmother and I, we realized we didn't like each other very much. We had developed a strong dislike for each other and the details of that are very personal and private and I'm gonna leave them that way. And for years we avoided each other. In 2002, she had to have open heart surgery, which as far as I know, that was, that was the first Surgery in this long road she's been on as her body has been failing her for years. She's a fighter. We were living in Tampa, and obviously Mandy wanted to go up for her grandmother's surgery, and I wasn't even sure if I wanted to be there or not. I'm being very honest with you. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be there. I'm telling you, we didn't like each other. And even if I did want to be there, I wasn't sure if she wanted me there or not. We drove in from Tampa early that morning, the morning of her surgery, and the Holy Spirit allowed me the opportunity to pray with her before surgery. And something happened because we've never talked about any of our dislikes and mishaps since. And we've had many conversations since that day. But something happened. There was a healing that took place through her heart surgery. 
And it wasn't just a physical healing. It just wasn't a physical fix of a heart. God did something to our spiritual hearts in that process. And I can't speak for her, but I know for years I carried around bitterness towards her. And since that day, I can honestly say that we've loved each other. There's been many opportunities in my life to hold on to bitterness. But God can't fill you with his love if there's other things in your life that are taking up the place and the space where that love has to go. And in our hearts, there's limited room for what God wants to put in there. And if you're holding on to pain, if you're holding on to that bitterness, whether you're justified in it or not, see, that's our problem, man. We all think we're justified in our pain. And the only damage you're doing to anybody's life is the damage you're doing to your own life by holding on to all that. But when you release it, when you allow the contents of your broken heart to be spilled out, it's when God begins to replace it. You have a heart like heaven. And you love different than you ever have. There's people in this room that you're holding on to some of those things that I've already mentioned today. God didn't cause them to happen. But he wants to take it and reverse the enemy's attempt to to derail your life. He wants to take it and he wants to completely change the circumstances of it. Allow your broken heart to be spilled out and watch what God fills your heart with. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.